Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chingonas Only Club. I'm your host, Meli Ramirez, and as you can tell, I am a little bit under the weather today, so excuse me in advance for my raspy, congested voice, <laughs> but I still wanted to make sure that I let this episode out for y'all. It's very important, so without further ado, get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. Oh my goodness. So today's episode is going to be very interesting. I haven't done something like this, even though I talk about race, racism, colorism a lot on the show, on the podcast. I have not done an episode like the one I'm going to do today. But before we get started, I wanted to let you all know that I went to see Black Panther this weekend. And as anticipated, it was, it blew me away. I'm a huge Marvel fan, but it was amazing for me as a Mexican-born woman who comes from a very small town and whose grandparents are natives of Mexico and who speak Nahuatl. And to hear Nahuatl being spoken in a movie, not briefly, but as a huge part of the the storyline it was so nice to see and hear it and to just I don't know it it was almost like a nod of acknowledgement to my people and my ancestors so yeah it was really nice to see all the characters in the movie my personal favorite of course besides Namor was Namora I really just enjoyed her presence in the movie on screen even though she was just more of a silent woman she was pretty terrifying and i love that i think that a lot of people really enjoyed that movie but the reason why i wanted to tell you guys about it is because of course the movie gets released and there was already a lot of press surrounding it about the main not the main character but the main villain the noche huerta he is a Mexican man and he is a dark-skinned Mexican man on a major movie. And why is that important? Well, traditionally, <clears throat> I think historically people think that because there's a ton of Mexican television, Mexican media in the country of Mexico, I think people imagine that <clears throat> racism or colorism doesn't exist within our own country. And I did a whole episode on this, on colorism itself. And it's really almost unfathomable for people to think that it's a thing. <clears throat> but it was important to see the Noche Huerta on the big screen because as a person of color who is not white passing, it's really it was really hard. And if you listen to some of the interviews that he did about the traditional Mexican roles that he got, you guys may remember him from Narcos. He was one of the Narcos' brothers, and he he was insane in that show during that season. But he only got those kind of roles. He wasn't like the lead protagonist guy. And <clears throat> it was really important to see him on screen. And of course, as soon as the movie started getting a ton of press, 
Antonio Huerta started talking about the topic of colorism within the country, a lot of Mexican media got really upset. A lot of Mexican actors got really upset and they weren't, they were white passing Mexican actors. So let me rephrase that. There was an interview that's now all over social media, particularly TikTok, where there's a panel of I don't know, men and women who are discussing the movie and who are discussing what the movie is doing to to the industry. And their complaint, their biggest concern was that white passing or white or light-skinned Mexican actors were no longer going to be able to get roles. Imagine that. They were upset that now people were going to be given roles not based on the color of their skin. If you listen to the, the interview, it's so ridiculous. They're, they were talking about, oh, white Mexicans can't are not going to be able to get roles in major movies anymore because they're going to want uh, traditional Mexican roles by, to be played by traditional Mexican people. Well, no shit. Of course, <laughs> of course we do. Now, as a pasty-ass Mexican myself, I have to say that I have experienced you know both sides of this coin and I've benefited from being a light-skinned Mexican and I don't care that they are now casting people based on talent rather than based on how white passing they are and so it pisses me off that these actors didn't speak up when their counterparts were not getting the roles because they were dark-skinned and they never thought that there was an issue with that. And now that people are demanding that these roles be portrayed more originally to paint a true picture of the makeup of Mexico, now they have a problem with it. Now they're like, well, we're not going to be able to get jobs. Get the hell out of here. It sounds like an argument here in the United States and it's so ridiculous but I wanted to kind of bring that up because I wanted to to kind of bring to light that racism is not only perpetuated in the United States and it's not only perpetuated by white Americans racism is an issue all over the world and even within our own countries it's colorism it comes down to colorism how dark-skinned or how light-skinned are you and that is what determines the amount of success that you're going to have, whether you say it out loud or not. It happens in the job market. It happens in school with people's little popular cliques. You see it in telenovelas. What do all the actors look like? They sure as hell don't look Mexican. It's just so distorted. It paints a very distorted picture of what Mexico actually is vice what they're trying to represent. And so... I have no problem for it. Fuck yes, the Noche Huerta deserves to be up there. So does Mabel or Mabel, the one that plays Amora. And all of the, and Lupita Nyong'o. By the way, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, career years real quick. Lupita Nyong'o speaks perfect Spanish. And I have been waiting for a day where she spoke Spanish in a role. And when she spoke Spanish during the movie, like, I almost like jumped up because she's fucking incredible. But anyway, there. It wasn't really a spoiler, but I didn't want to ruin any part of it for you guys. All right. 
So back to it, enough about Black Panther. I just thought that that was something that was very interesting and it related to previous episodes that I've done and it sort of ties into what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into it. So today, since I've talked a lot about colorism, discrimination, whether it's based on race or gender, I wanted to talk about how to stop it. How do you stop these things from happening around you? Because it seems as of late, I've been witnessing more and more of these events. And I think the question that always comes up is how do you fix it? How do you fix the problem? How do you change it? And it's a question that both sides of this coin ask, whether you're the, I'm going to say, quote unquote, person who is the aggressor. I'm just going to use that word. And then the person who is being attacked. Now, the reason why I don't say whether you're the racist and the person who is being discriminated uh, is because I, after many, many years of experiencing my life and everything that I've gone through, I've come to find that to me, and this is 1000% my opinion, the biggest difference between racism and ignorance is the intent. There's people in this world who are intent on being racist, who know what they say, when they say it, and everything that they do is very calculated against minorities. And I think that those people are racist. You, I don't think that I have the capability alone to change them. Um, their intent, every time I feel like they're being racist, their intent was to be racist. And then there's people who are ignorant. And it's no better, and I'm not making a justification. What I'm saying is that their ignorance, whether in language, in social norms, in acceptable behavior, in whatever it is, in just their interactions with Black, Indigenous, people of color, or lack thereof, I feel that has created this almost like a bubble of ignorance that these issues aren't real and these issues don't exist outside of them. And I think that their ignorance, I wouldn't say protects or shields them, but their ignorance allows them to have a conversation and they have a potential to be more understanding than a person who is intent on being racist. And an ignorant person can either learn, take the feedback, and then just grow as a human being and move on, or they can choose to remain ignorant. And at that point, they would fall into a separate, they would fall in back into the racist category, intentionally racist category. So why do I distinguish them? Well, I feel like I have to. Being in the military, I have encountered both. I've encountered people who are blatantly racist, and I have encountered people who are just ignorant. And in those two experiences, time and time again, a conversation, a very honest, a very deep conversation has taken place with people who are ignorant if they were willing to hear me out and if they were willing to take the feedback. And the in the instances when they did, they grew from that experience. They wanted the feedback. They wanted the conversation. They wanted the discussion. They wanted to be better. 
Now, is it my job to have those discussions and conversations with them? No. Is it everybody's responsibility? Are you, do you owe them that? No, you don't. I have made the choice to do that. And I will tell you that not everybody can and not everybody chooses to and not everybody has to. I'm simply speaking from the choice that I made because it made me feel more at peace um, walking through the world, right? I can't just go around being angry all the time and assuming that everybody just wants to intentionally hurt me because it is exhausting. If I allow all these people to live inside my head, I'm going to have to start charging rent because it's just too much. It's too overwhelming for me. Why do I bring this up? Why is this an important topic? Well, I think what happens is when someone says something that's construed as racist, it depends who's in the room, right? The audience. If you're in a room full of like-minded individuals, nobody is going to bat an eyelash about what was said. If you're in a room full mixed individuals who some of them belong to different minority groups, then some people may react while others may not. People think that if you belong to a certain minority, that you are not capable of being racist or discriminatory towards another. And that's simply untrue. That is 1000% untrue. I can tell you that I am not exempt. I can be racist. I, there's a potential there because I don't understand everybody's struggles. And because I don't understand or comprehend where everybody comes from, even though I strive my entire life to do so, I'm never going to experience it from their perspective. And so the potential for me to say something that's out of term, something that could be misconstrued, something out of fucking ignorance is right there. It's always there. Now, do I think before I speak? Yes. Does that mean that I'm going to be protected all of the time? No. I would like to think that I have enough rapport with people that if I ever said something that was out of place or could be construed in a way as discriminatory, racist, whatever the case might be, that someone would have the clarity to address it with me head on and allow me to reevaluate my behavior, my words, and so that I could actually learn from that. And that's something that I ask of my friends, my family, the people I work with, because that's the only way that I'll know. If I continue to do this and nobody ever corrects me, what do I, what, what is happening is that my behavior feels like it's being reinforced and it feels like it's okay. And a lot of people like to quickly jump and say, well, you should know. Well, no, the fact of the matter is that sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you think something is okay and you don't know. And so that's why having level-headed conversation is extremely important. And I can tell you that I know that it's hard to do. As someone who has been called every name you can possibly think of against Mexicans, I can tell you that when it happens, you see red. You see red and you don't want to hear anything else. You don't want to see that person. You don't want to speak to them. You don't want to hear their name. You just don't, don't want to be around them. And the opportunities for conversation quickly diminish. And the opportunities for working through the issue um, disappear. Now, is it your job to make it better? No. 
If you're the person that got offended, no, it's not your job to make it better. Is it your responsibility? No, it's not. If to protect your peace, your health, your mental well-being, you choose to just walk away from it, that's your prerogative. You can do that. Because as someone who has been offended, you don't know anybody anything. You don't know anybody understanding. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't owe them a life lesson. You don't owe them anything. I am merely speaking from how I have chosen to deal with this issue. Because for my own well-being, my own mental health, that's what worked. So if that doesn't work for you, then that's okay. Find what does. But just know that that person will continue to do what they do intentionally or not. And you could have made a difference. I don't know. That's how I like to see it. So every time I do an episode on anything, I always at the very end, I say, well, how can we stop it? How can we fix it? What can we do? And my answer is always the same. Get educated. Get educated. Take a moment to read a book. Take a moment to understand another community. I think that in my last episode on femicide, I said that women in all different countries and all from all different backgrounds, from all different party groups, experience femicide. But we're so focused on dealing with it within our own community that we forget that we have sisters outside of our ourselves that are experiencing the exact same thing worse sometimes and we forget to advocate for one another because we forget that together a group of people are more strong than a singular voice and it's the same thing with this particular topic meaning that just because I am a Mexican woman doesn't mean that I shouldn't try to educate myself on the issues that African Americans experience every day in this country. On the contrary, because I'm a minority, I am a part of a minority group, I should be educating myself on the struggles of other minority groups to find a middle ground where we can share some commonalities and understand that you can find some sort of solidarity with other people who understand you. I think that that's important because that's where the education piece comes from. If you don't educate yourself, if I don't educate myself on how African Americans experience the world and how Asian Americans experience the world and how Native Americans, how men, how people of the LGBTQIA plus community experience discrimination. I will never understand them and therefore I cannot expect them to understand me and what I go through. And if we don't understand each other, we'll never speak up for one another. And so it's important to acknowledge that first and foremost, you can be discriminatory, you can be offensive, and you can be racist even if you're part of a minority group. It doesn't make you exempt just because you suffer your own battle. It does not make you exempt. And I think that's important to acknowledge. I am not exempt from this. The second thing to know is that 
you can be part of a minority group and find nothing wrong with something that another minority group finds incredibly offensive. That still doesn't make it okay. Part of the education and understanding piece is the acknowledgement and the validation that comes with it. You should validate and acknowledge that there are certain things that are very triggering for other communities, no matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter how you feel about it because it is not something that is directed at you. That is something that a lot of people don't understand. And it's okay. I don't think that we talk about it openly enough to help people understand it. And so that's why I wanted to just talk about it here. So first and foremost, acknowledge racism in all its forms. Okay, people think that it's racism has to be overtly blatant or intentional, but there's bias in every sector of society. Okay, every sector, even from housing to media to applying for jobs, it's everywhere. And you have to just acknowledge that it's there. Okay. That is the first first thing you have to do. <clears throat> the second thing I would say that we have to do to make ourselves better besides educating and acknowledging would be to try to see what you can do in your community to overturn racist and discriminatory laws. If you have the ability to vote, if you have the ability to have your voice heard, you should be doing that. If there's a law on the floor, that doesn't impact you, but it impacts another minority group, then help them overturn that law. Because there's going to come a time when a law that impacts you is going to be on the floor. And you're going to need other people. And you're never going to do this on your own. And human rights are human rights, period. Okay, and we can't do anything in this country until it's legal. And so I think that this is super important. And I think people forget and give up, especially in the times we find ourselves in right now. But how insane was it that Roe v. Wade was overturned? And then immediately some of the bills that were on the floor, some of the things that they were discussing was to overturn Brown versus Board of Education. How do we go from women's rights to reproductive rights, to human rights, to all of a sudden segregation of of black and white schools that's insane right those two have nothing to do with the one another abortion and segregation are almost as far apart on the spectrum as can be if you're looking at it from the issue but if you know historically abortion and human rights and not having control over your own body as women, African-American women have been dealing with this for centuries. Um, this is, it's not so far apart on the spectrum, but if you're looking at it, just the issue alone, a societal issue, how did it jump from one thing to another? And now gay marriage is back on the floor. How is it that all of these minority groups suddenly came under attack in the course of, in the span of a few months. The minute RBG passed away and then somebody else took her seat. All this happened because we have chosen to only speak up on the issues that affect us. We have chosen to vote on the things that impact us. 
and whatever our communities is. So I think that first and foremost, education, acknowledgement, let's get out there and actually do something about it. Committing to anti-racism is something that almost sounds, it sounds a little silly. I'm not going to lie. It sounds a little silly because people want to make it seem like, you know, protesting and being vocal about certain things. Like you just want to pick a fight about everything. And the truth is, it's not about that. I think it's just committing to a lifelong pursuit because it is a lifelong pursuit. I am going to be talking about this my entire life. I have committed to this. People sometimes want to pick and choose when to speak up. And I don't think that that's enough. You can't pick and choose when to speak up. And that's kind of the whole point of this episode is to acknowledge that it takes an entire village and it is a lifelong commitment. And if you have a problem with how you're treated or other groups are being treated, then the only way to fix it is to put your money where your mouth is and do something about it, right? And that's really hard. Some people don't want the, what is it, the fallout from their words. If speaking up can make you a target, can ostracize you. But I think that it's a personal choice. And if you choose to do that, amazing. I love you. I support you. (laughs) But it is a lifelong thing. You don't get to quit because the people who are being discriminated against don't get that reprieve. They don't get to quit either. So you shouldn't. Now, what else? Having hard conversations. I think this is something that people in minority groups don't like to do very much. Some of them will. And understand that a hard conversation doesn't mean an argument. Okay. When I say I want to have a hard conversation with someone, I don't mean I want to fight you. I don't mean I want to argue with you. I mean, this conversation could hurt your feelings because I'm going to call you out on the floor and say, hey, what you did, what you said was not okay. It doesn't make you a bad person, but it is fucking hurtful. And that sucks to hear as a human being, to hear as a person, me personally, if someone told me that, it would absolutely break me, intentional or not, because especially if it was not intentional, and especially if it was against someone that I love or care about, and not everybody's going to have that reaction. But when people do have that reaction, that's where the hard work comes in, because you as the person who is being discriminated against... You want people to, we almost want people to see our point of view to the point where we want to stay in that headspace. We want to stay in the space of, I was the victim here. And you are, you were, you were victimized, you were offended. Someone said something to hurt you, offend you, discriminate against you, correct? But if you don't get out of that headspace and shift to have this hard conversation, you're going to stay in that headspace and you can't go through life a victim. You can't because not everybody's going to feel sorry for you, especially those people who are intentionally just unkind human beings, racist people. They don't care about you being a victim. And so I think in that sense, that's where it's really difficult to have these conversations with the people who offend you and to try to get them to understand what happened. 
and you might find someone who's worth having those discussions with. Not always, but sometimes you will. And you'll see that it was worth it having the strength to speak about the things that hurt you to help that person understand that they have that just with their words. They, they have that ability just with their words. And many of them don't want to. They don't want to hurt you. But there are some that do. And I think it's important to find out who those people are on both sides. People want to say that that's not my job. You know, just whatever, especially if it's at work. There's things in place to handle those issues. But what what does that do for you? Like, personally, it wouldn't make me feel any less small. It wouldn't make me feel any less hurt. If anything, I'd probably feel worse because as a decent and kind human being, I, me personally, and again, this is all me and how I choose to handle things, right? I would not feel okay with just disappearing someone like snap your fingers boom you're gone it's not something that I'm comfortable with Um, now if I try to have a conversation with this individual and try to understand the issue and see that their intent as I said in the beginning was to be racist and was to be discriminatory then at that point I will feel okay I will sleep good at night regardless of what happens to that person you know snap your fingers and Thanos that piece of shit (laughs) but if that's not the case and that's not the intent and a lot of people feel like they're being deceived because they don't trust people who have hurt them that's understandable it's about your faith in humanity at this point honestly I, I can't explain it any other way it's it's either you have hope in people or you don't and if you don't that's okay because that means that something horrible happened to you you went through however you many things you went through that led you to feel that way I did too but it's taken me 36 years to get to a place where I can do the work and my my shell or my shield my bubble is strong enough to handle these conversations with people and there's no cracks there I'm gonna have a conversation with you and I'm either gonna walk away feeling like I made a difference and I made an impact and you are going to try and be better or I'm going to walk away and knowing that you're going to continue doing and acting in the way that you've been acting your entire life and at least I made an effort and at least I know where you stand officially know where you stand like it wasn't a fluke and I think that that's what helps me knowing your friends from your enemies is super important to me who do I waste my time on and who I don't right so that's uh, another thing um and then the biggest one and I know people people are gonna be so mad about this um checking your your privilege right and your intersectionality um checking your privilege what is it what is your privilege and people well I'm not privileged I was born poor I was raised poor it's yeah but you never had to worry about someone not giving you a job because of the color of your skin that's privilege whether you ask for it or not that's a privilege right I'm Mexican I'm a woman I was not undocumented for a great portion of my life but I'm privileged because I'm light-skinned I hate that but it's the truth do I get 
treated better because I'm a fair-skinned Mexican? Yes, I do. I hate it, right? I hate when I benefit from this bullshit. But that's not a me problem. That is a societal problem. But I acknowledge it. And if I didn't acknowledge it, then I couldn't acknowledge that my brothers or my son, who is dark-skinned, would experience these issues in life. And then how could I possibly help them? I can't say they're discriminating against my little boy because he's brown without acknowledging that I benefit from being white, right? <laughs> that It's stupid. But people get offended when you say, hey, check your privilege. Where do you stand that I don't? When we're having arguments, when we're having heated discussions on these topics, check your privilege and see if there's something that you have failed to acknowledge. Like I said, this is where that you know, people think that because they're a part of a minority, like if you're black, then you can't be discriminatory or racist. Well, you can, you can, you know, be homophobic and black and still not understand the intersectionality between those two groups, right? You can, you can be white and gay and not understand that even though you're gay, you, you're white, you have a privilege there, male or female, you know, changes it up. There's so many things that you have to check your privilege there. Everybody has a certain level of privilege. So you have to make sure that you acknowledge that when you're having these discussions and stop trying to understand or not stop, stop trying to understand, stop thinking that you understand another person's hurt and anger without ever having been educated on it, okay? I'm, I know that's hard to do because you can't be educated on everything. You don't know all the issues, but how open are you to, to the learning process? So <clears throat> that was my biggest thing. I really just wanted to talk to you all about this because I think often when something like this happens and to us, whether it's at work, personal, out in the street, we see red, we react, and rightfully so. I've done it, you know, I told you guys in an early episode, I left across the table trying to punch some dude because he upset me, right? But I was also 21 years old at the time. Okay, 21 years old at the time when that happened. I hadn't gotten, I had just got been recently deported. My, 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 my point is that my trauma at that point was so fresh, so fresh. You couldn't even look at me without me thinking that you were a fucking racist person. Like that's how it was. That's how painful that was for me. That's how sensitive that topic was for me. It's still very sensitive. It's still very painful. But I'm 36 years old now. I have three children. I've experienced life since then, of course, about 15 years worth of it. And I don't know if I did that math correct. I'm sorry. I don't math in public. But um, I have grown internally, mentally, emotionally, I am an entirely different person at 36 than I was at 21. 
I don't expect everyone to be where I am. What I'm saying is acknowledge that. Ask yourself where you are on your healing journey because that's important. And ask yourself if 10 years from now, if you were healed and if you were emotionally matured to where you wanted to be, would you react in the same manner? Some of you may not know. Some of you may. And if the answer is no, you wouldn't. You probably have a different reaction, whatever that may look like for you. Then try to reflect on that before you let your anger overcome you because ultimately it's just you and your anger you and your thoughts. Nobody is experiencing that with you and it can eat you alive, honestly. Same thing as if you are the person on the other side. If you said something racist, if you said something discriminatory, if whatever. If you are not a racist person and someone calls you a racist person, your gut reaction is to be offended, is to defend your stance And oftentimes, that's when the thinking before speaking is very, very important. When you have that reaction to defend your position to whatever it is, first and foremost, acknowledge that someone just said that to you, probably because whatever it was that you said hurt them, right? You hurt them, period. So... Take a moment to take that in before you take a moment to think about how you're going to defend yourself. And first and foremost, ask that individual if they're okay. Because a lot of the times that's all we want. And that's how we know intent. That's how we weed out people who are racist by people who just said something stupid. Now, There's people who have worked their entire lives not to say stupid things. But we're humans. We're not perfect. Sometimes we say stupid shit. I want everybody to just think about that. Because I don't think that we can ever find a middle ground to work together unless we intentionally seek it. So that's it. That's what I wanted to talk about today. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. And if you're interested, go look up TikTok and look up all of the light-skinned Mexicans crying about dark-skinned Mexicans. (laughs) It's so stupid, y'all. Okay, this is also silly. Um, But I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and that my coughing and congestion can be edited out of this episode. If not, I am deeply sorry. All right, adios.